Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. As always, we are so grateful that you've decided to join us today. We hope we have really great information to help you think about business. Before we get started, I just want to share with you again, take a look at my most recent book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy. It is on Amazon. And as always, we are looking and talking to people about disruption. And and today is no exception. I am so excited to bring you a fourth generation entrepreneur. He is 22 years old and he has already launched multiple companies. He is an expert in the PPE space. He is an expert in supply chain. And he has just very wonderful stories to share with us about what he has done in the business building space to date. So I would love to welcome to the program, Blake Sherwood. Blake, welcome. Hey, Allison. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, so I always like to ask our guests to start off with what is the core focus of what you're doing in business today? Absolutely, Allison. So, you know, I like to say my core business, you know, kind of ethics or overall vision for how I operate is I look for different companies that better for the better the world or make the world a better place without focusing on profit first. You know, yes, profit is important to any company. You want profit, you want return, et cetera. But the most important thing to me that I, you know, is my number one thing is it's got to do something that helps change and make humans everyday life a little bit better. Well, and, and what I love about your story is, is, and you can give us a little, you started your first company at 18, correct? Yeah. Yeah. First company started when I was 18 out of the dorm room. Uh, it, it was pretty fun. It was a company called New Heights Printing and Greek Tank. What that was is we printed t-shirts and different promo products for fraternities and sororities across the country. Um, prior to the pandemic, we were at about 35 schools uh, printing for you know, a number of different organizations. And then you know, fast forward to the pandemic, you know, that's when we started getting into the, the PPE industry. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, a lot of people, you know, think a whole lot about starting a business and you were somebody who just grabbed hold of an opportunity um, during the pandemic and stepped into it. So can you give our listeners just a, a little bit of the background on how you stepped into this importing business in the PPE space? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. My story is a little bit of a funny one, as we like to say, because when you know the pandemic was first starting, there were zero cases in the United States. It was only uh, you know cases in China and throughout Asia. I was just watching the news, and I was watching, and I saw a nurse staple her mask together, and I thought, "Wow, this is ridiculous." You know, we live in one of the best countries on this planet, yet our nurses don't have the right gear, and there's going to be a huge pandemic coming this way. Uh, and that's when, you know, my background actually, you know, I was fortunate enough when I was 17, I was a part of a program called the National Securities Language Initiative for the Youth, uh, which was funded by the U.S. States Department, where I was living in Shanghai. And while living there, we actually lived with a host family. And that host family was one of the largest exporters and importers or trading company in Shanghai. 
And, you know, once the pandemic was happening, I was just communicating with them, making sure they were okay. And, you know, what, as I like to say, one thing led to another, they ended up sending my family about 500 masks in the mail. Uh, and, you know, that's how you know, I first was like, you know, first involved or introduced to the PP industry was, you know, the you know, generosity of my host family to donate masks to us when you know, most people in the U.S. weren't even wearing masks and didn't even know that they existed. And so in this process, you had to become an expert at importing. Um, and I think you said you import from China and Thailand, and, and you really got an insight into how fragile the supply chain is in the import space. Can you give us a little insight on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the comparison I like to give people is it's one thing ordering you know, a product online, one piece or one item, but then when you're trying to import, you know, millions of pieces of products, you know, I learned very quickly, you know, my first business, I used to move, you know, a hundred t-shirts, a thousand t-shirts, but then, you know, learning the logistics of moving full containers and importing them from another country, you know, that was a whole nother, you know, different ballpark that I'd never been introduced to. And, you know, I, like to say that I gave myself a crash course for the first probably about three months of the pandemic. Uh, very, very low amount of sleep, a lot of hard work, a lot of Wikipedia, a lot of YouTube, a lot of Google searches. And, you know, without, you know, I myself do have a, a business degree, but you know, this is the stuff that they don't teach you in school. Uh, and being a younger guy, you know, I just fresh out of college, but this type of stuff you know, wasn't taught in the classroom. You really just, from an entrepreneur level, have to be willing to go on Google, go ask questions, be okay with having people tell you you're too crazy. Uh, because in the, when all this started, the amount of people that said, no, you're crazy, no one's going to be buying masks, there's no nothing, no, this pandemic's you know a joke. And, you know, I could foresee and see that, you know, we, there's a huge need and, you know, a first priority back to kind of your first question when we entered it on the, on this call was, you know, what is my goals? My ethics are a way to find a business that betters people or makes their day better. Uh, that's what the mission was, was, you know, we weren't focusing on profit, profiting off the PP industry or off of the pandemic. We were focused in on getting one more mask here is one more life that we could potentially save. And so let's fast forward because now you are a strategic partner to um, Nick's COVID. And tell us about the startup of, of that company and the business model that they run under. Yeah, absolutely. So Originally, at the start of the pandemic, I was a consultant for my family's consulting practice. That's where I gained all the experience as far as our first large-scale transaction was for the state of Illinois, IEMA, for about 10 million pieces of PPE. And then through networking and meeting new people uh, within that, I was connected with the founders of Nick's COVID. And that's where uh, I've really aligned with their vision of part of it's within the name next COVID their idea is you know similar to mine of one more mask here is one more life that we could potentially save or one more glove is one more person that's going to be less susceptible to getting the infection you know and that's we all shared that kind of key mindset and that's when you know we became strategic partners and 
you know, I oversee all of the logistics, the product sourcing, uh, and they handle majority of the sales channels and as well as the uh, overall outreach and marketing. And then they leave me to handle most of the back office stuff as far as getting, making sure product is exported, products on its way, because if there's any product delays or anything, uh, you know, again, back to our core mission of the company is a product delayed is a, you know, a one less mask here that's can be used to be saved, you know, another person's life. So Blake, I want to ask you, separate from being a fourth generation entrepreneur and having some of that support from your family, I am always concerned about where our next generation of, of business builders are going to are gonna come from. And if they're going to have, like you said, that knowledge of the things that you didn't learn in the classroom. So, so what are some of those, you know, entrepreneurial fundamentals that you've learned over the last couple of years that, that you would share with other people that are interested in starting and launching their businesses? Absolutely. So the best piece of advice that I can give to, you know, a young entrepreneur and an entrepreneur in general is there's going to be people that are out there that are going to say your product or your idea isn't going to work or it's not smart or it won't do that. Now, you have to find that that self-motivation, that sweat equity in yourself, you know, that self-motivation that you want to get up every morning, work on that project and get it done because, you know, there's nobody stopping you but yourself. And you know, that's the biggest problem that I had is when I was first into business, you know, we were you know hitting success. We were closing new clients, et cetera. But then you kind of get lost and you have to you know pull it back together and realize you have to focus on the core you know, values of your business, growing a business, making sure that the groundwork is set up the right way so where you can scale efficiently and uh, economically as well. And that, you know, those mistakes, you unfortunately won't learn in the classroom because without testing that or, you know, going through the first time where you receive bad product, you know, there's nothing a textbook can teach you about that. Uh, and you have to be able to pivot and understand and move in out of the box ways and thinking uh, to be able to ultimately succeed within it. Well, and, and we talk about the, the, I don't want to use the word resilience, but the, the, the way that you have to stick with it. Um, I just uh, spoke with the um, founders of Navit, an app, and they said, if you ever want to test your resilience as an entrepreneur, launch a new product the week that the country shuts down, <laughs> right? And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, in, in the things that you've talked about, like, you know, before this interview, about you know what is it to bring in eighty shipping containers? Um, how how do you deal with with the stress involved with that? Because you're not only you not only learned about bringing in these shipping containers, but you you did it at a time when the whole supply chain was in a very fragile state. Yeah, so there's you know the famous phrase you don't take no for an answer. Uh, the amount of different shipping companies or, you know, specifically to kind of, you know, to touch on the 80 container thing, you know, we, although the ship, you know, the whole logistics channel is all kind of turned sideways during the pandemic, you had to find alternative routes. And with, you know, being, as I like to say, a Google nerd, uh, I, you know, spent countless hours researching, finding different ways, understanding how product can be moved in, you know, different ways and uh, using, you know, express ships, as we like to say, you know, they have direct 
shipping lanes from Shanghai to Long Beach port that you can take through a private terminal. Now, the, the shipping cargo might be you know, 10%, 15% higher as far as the shipping container cost, but your uh-huh. product is guaranteed to be there on time. Now, huge, large corporations aren't willing to cut that cost or you know, increase or use all different shipping lanes or more direct routes because they're worried more about their bottom line dollar amount. You know, and where we, how we were able to be successful with it is we were trying, again, we were trying to solve a problem. There was an immediate call to action and emergency. We didn't care as far as the pricing goes. It was not more about profiting. It was more about getting the product here as quick as possible. Uh, and we didn't, we did every step along the way to ensure that we can get it here as quick as possible, high quality goods, that way that the product can be dispatched to the front lines immediately. Um, because, you know, back to how I got started, you know, it just sickened me, you know, being a younger, you know, the younger generation, we can see that, you know, our country wasn't set up the right way to handle this pandemic, you know, and other countries response, you know, their case count is way lower, you know, compared to ours and the death counts are way lower to ours now, even though there might be some data that, you know, they're going to relook at and make sure that, you know, that the numbers are correct. It doesn't matter. You know, there shouldn't have been even over a hundred people having this disease where we live in one of the most high tech countries in the world, yet we, you know, we can't find a way to curb a pandemic right away. Um, and, you know, that's why my call to action was, and, you know, ultimately my goal and in, in general across business is to find products and create products that are going to affect humans on a day-to-day basis that we've never had before. Well, and, and this kind of product line is, is different than other people that I interview. And we talk about their products and market differentiation for their products. What you have in this market is you have to deal with fraud and you have to deal with people who are representing really not authentic or, as you said, high quality products. How has NixCOVID um, approached that in some way to make sure that that people understand the quality of the products that you're bringing and compared to like, you know, just how the market was flooded with things that nobody knew if it was good or not? Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of to give you know the viewers some knowledge around the f- type of fraud that's been going on, you know, I never would have imagined the type of fraud that I have seen over the last year, year and a half, because, you know, my mission is to, you know, again, get one more mask, here's one more life saved. Majority of people within the PP industry care about profit. They see opportunity to make money. Uh, and where there's an opportunity to make money, there's endless amounts of fraud, mm-hmm. specifically to, to products of the medical you know, PPE products, whether it's nitrile gloves, for example, Allison. So what's been going on is, you know, there's groups of people or, you know, criminal organizations, or you can call them bad apples that are posting and creating these, you know, fake lots of medical supplies. And this was happening way in the beginning, you know, to huge scales to the tune of, you know, someone was saying there's a hundred million 3M masks or, you know, 100 million boxes of nitrile gloves, which would take up the equivalent of, you know, 65, 70 football stadiums, you know, and a crazy amount of product, but it would pull these huge corporations in and make them think that there's product there. And now there's an end user that really could use that amount of product and, or could, you know, dispatch it efficiently or et cetera. 
but then it was just one big kind of rabbit hole that was going on. But so you, the reason why, again, that there's been such a problem, not only with the supply chain, but with all the fraudulent stuff going on in the PPE market, that's really the truth to why, you know, some hospitals in the U S or frontline workers don't have the right supplies is because, you know, when the supply chain slowed down and new firms came into the market to sell PPE, the majority of them had no clue what they were doing at all. Now, I'll admit, in the beginning, we were learning a lot. You know, we, you learn, but we were able to pivot and use our, you know, our expertise and our background and myself living in Shanghai and, you know, having the right connections internationally to do it, to pivot, you know, right away to solve an emergency need. But with the fraud going on, you know, majority of those firms didn't have the right infrastructure. They couldn't think about, hey, you know, what does it mean to move 100 million masks? What does it mean to move 100 million boxes of gloves? You know, they didn't really think about all the the practicality. They got stuck on the profit side of it. Um, And they were just trying to be profiteers to the pandemic. And so now what's happening with specifically the fraud is, you know, the fraudsters have learned. They went from thinking, trying to sell fake lots of, you know, crazy amount of numbers to now selling small lots of products. You know, they're trying to adapt in every which way. Uh, and then they also have, you know, production contracts, for example, letters of credit, you know, in an international way to pay for products used internationally. You know, there's a ton amount of fraud going on within use of letters of credit and trying to borrow against it specifically for medical supplies but then using it in fraudulent ways you know there's it's really sickening you know to me and that's my motivation you know as an entrepreneur is why i get up every day is because you know i love turning in fraudulent players because they have no right doing business now they have no right doing this because what they're doing is end up killing people and unfortunately that's the, the truth to it and you know i don't stand for it and i know nick's COVID and the rest of our colleagues and strategic partners don't stand for it and that's why we're trying to come together and find ways to ensure that we're delivering high quality goods and you know specifically how nick's COVID does that is we have full chain of custody of our product we're talking with the factories directly and we control the product the moment that it comes off the line from the time that it gets to the door in the hand or the mouth of the end user we know where it is and we're controlling it and we're moving it Whereas most products aren't, you don't have full control of the supply chain. So there's no way to fully ensure that it's a medical certified product. Um, And that's how NixCovid specifically does it is we, again, we control the entire supply chain and know of of where the product is from point A to point B. And and I hadn't really thought about traceability of product in, in this way. I mean, you say full chain of custody. I'm very familiar with the traceability of food, you know, and, 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 and understanding that, you know, um, where the food's coming from, like tea, you know, a lot of importers bring in all the tea and then they just kind of dump it and mix it together. And there are people who are trying to make sure that we have traceability. Um, I don't know how a, a consumer really knows that how to differentiate from these things, because when I hear you explain it, like it makes so much sense that I would want to, as a consumer, have this level of awareness. Yeah, so one of the best things you can do and what we do as a firm, we we have an independent auditor. Uh, you know, there's different companies, SGS, ProQC, uh, TUV, Intertech, different auditing companies that specifically for manufactured goods that you can actually hire and have them do something called a loading supervision where they do a small 
random batch inspection on your product. And they also do the supervision of it loading into your container. And that report is a bonded report. So that way you can ensure the quality while it's in transit as well. And that you know that the product that was loaded into the container met all the certifications. So for example, if you want to test for you know ASTM 6319, which is a, a you know a nitrile glove certification, you know, we're able to have that tested while it's at the factory to make sure that it's up to conformity to its 510K. Well, thank you for explaining that process. I want to switch flights and and talk about, um, you know, these are great things that you're doing with Next COVID. And I, and I understand, you know, the business model that, that the founders of that company got it up and running quickly and brought in these strategic partners. So I always tell our listeners to go take a look at websites and learn more. So you can um, go take a look at it. It's N-I-X-C-O-V-I-D. And you can, um, if you go to the about page, you can kind of see how they did the framework to accelerate the getting to market and bringing everybody together. But like, what's kind of next for you? What what are you, what are, what's on the horizon for you um, on where you want to go next as an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, with the demand and the supply, you know, slowly meeting each other for PPE, you know, our sales for PPE is pretty sta- you know, stagnant currently. And, you know, a few months ago, we've looked into investing and bringing to market different technologies that specifically are used to scanning and screening for COVID-19. And so over the next couple of months, we're going to be bringing a new product to market here in the U.S. that's going to use new and latest and greatest AI technology to scan users' eyes, you know, and be able within, you know, close to a 97% accuracy, be able to detect if they're positive for COVID-19 or not. Uh, And then once you know, if that technology pinged and that they were able to see that they had COVID, then, you know, we'd recommend they go get a PCR test to double confirm, you know, currently as we're clinically, you know, going through clinical trials to make sure the technology is fully working correctly. But, you know, what we're trying to do is create different, you know, as within our name, Nix, Nix COVID, Nixie Technologies, you know, we're trying to Nix different things. And, you know, again, create different products and solutions that help solve human problems and human needs. So Blake, I know you're young, you've got a lot of energy, but how do you keep it all balanced? <laughs> because you've got a lot yeah. of different companies going on. Uh, a lot of sleepless nights, Allison, but it's part of the fun. You know, if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't be doing it. Uh, I like to say that I wake up every day with a big smile on my face and thinking, well, what's, what's next today? You know, what am I doing today? What, you know, every day is a new day and that's what, what makes it kind of fun. Do you have any, um, any, any other podcasts, entrepreneurs, business books, things that, that you um, have really benefited from or that you would recommend to other people? Yeah. So my biggest thing is watch Shark Tank. I've probably watched every episode a few times over growing up. Uh, I've been watching it ever since it was coming out from day one. Uh, it's the best way for you know, someone that has no business experience or someone that comes from a different social and economic background that where they don't have access to the proper education, you know, it gives them a tool and easy access to a program that can teach them, you know, the basics of business and get them used to the acronym that's used in the business world. Uh, and I'm, you know, really fortunate enough to have found it as a kid uh, because without having that show or, you know, having some other, you know, the profit or other shows on normal TV, you know, I would not have been able to learn, you know, a lot of the you know sharpness or the, you know, small amount of skills and the acronym 
uh, needed for the business world. Thank you for sharing that. Listen, Blake, it was it was a delight to speak with you and and hear about about what you're doing. I'm positive there's going to be so many more great um, companies and businesses and things you you launch in the future. Um, if people want to know more, where should they go or how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I'm always you know open to hearing new ideas or if anyone has any questions, uh, please reach out to me as well. Uh, but also what's really important is if anybody is looking for PPE and needs donations of products, please reach out to us at nixcovid.com. We're very big into giving back. We have a goal of a com- as a company to give over a million pieces of PPE uh, over the course of the pandemic. And we're, you know, we're trying to get to our goal. So again, please, if anyone listening is, you know, in need or knows of anybody in need of products, uh, we'd be happy to donate some products over to them. Okay. So to our listeners, if Blake said something in his stories that resonated with you or you think somebody else should hear of, please pass along a copy of um, this episode, tag them in a post, uh, and let them know about the great things that Nick's COVID is doing. And do go and connect with Blake on LinkedIn so you could hear and follow more about what he is putting into the world. Um, until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Blake, thank you again for being a guest. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allison. This was a great time. It's a pleasure being on the show. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.